0: Ephesians five eight through seventeen says this: For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. Man, there's freedom in that. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, Get up, every shall get, get up. Every shall get up. Get up, sleeper, and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Today, as we close out our series, This Side of Heaven, I wanna to speak to you from the subject, living awake. Living awake, as we look at being fully awake and alive to God, this side of heaven. we pray with me just one more time today? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. It's alive and it's active. And God, I thank you for every single person that sits in this sanctuary today. Service before and the service after. God, I thank you that we can gather in this place and, and in your presence, there's fullness of joy. But there's freedom. God, that your word, it illuminates the dark areas of our hearts and our minds and our soul, God. And so right now, would you speak to us? God, I pray that you would get me out of the way and that it would be your words that we hear today. God, I thank you for this community of faith that is building and desiring to to be with you and in your presence. So God, meet us right now through your word, Thank you for your grace in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted, "Amen!" Amen. Uh, show of hands. This is not a trick question. I promise. How many of you love sleep? Uh, yes. That's why you're at the eleven o'clock. So, <laughs> uh, one more time. How many of you love sleep? I love sleep. I, I love. I love sleep. Uh, the worst thing ever is when you can't. You can't sleep. Um, what I love even more than my own sleep is watching people drift off into sleep. Some of you do that in service. It's entertaining. Um, I see you. <laughs> um, but uh, I've, I've got like I've got one of those things. I don't know if you're like me, but how many of you look for like the cold spaces in your bed? Like you shift in the middle of the night, flip the pillow, cold pillow, get your feet down there. Um, yeah, that, that's like my jam. I love it. Um, apparently, I just found out that there's some beds that have cooling mechanisms. Did not know this, but welcome to the real world. So. Um, <laughs> But uh, I love sleep, but even more fascinating to me is watching people nod off. And so I had this experience. I was on a plane yesterday coming back from Seattle, and uh, while I was on the plane, um, I'm a people watcher. Any people watchers in here? Okay, cool. All right. there's a lot of you. That's weird. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's like the whole place is like, "Yeah, we're watching you right now. Um, so, so I had my headphones on, and uh, I, was, I was listening to uh, listening to music, and, and, and I pay attention to people walking on the plane, and I always come up. This is just the way my mind works. It's, it's a weird thing up here, um, and so I make up stories for people as they're coming on the plane, and then I tell that story in my mind, and it's really funny. I make myself laugh. Um, so, so they're coming on, and so this one guy, he sat down like right here. I was here. I was, in the, uh, I was actually in the... Uh, the emergency exit so he sat right here and you can just tell when he walked on he was like he just looked exhausted and I was like I feel you bro <laughs> so he sat down and you know when people like sit down in their in their seat on an airplane they feel like they can just leverage their whole weight and just drop into the seat that's what he did so the person behind him was like whoa bro like so and I'm watching this guy so now I'm like I'm gonna just pay attention to this guy the whole flight because I just I this is gonna be fun um so I did, and I stared at him, and he, I watched what he was watching on TV. Luckily, he put on the Ryder Cup, so I was like, "Mad respect, that was awesome. And so, so I was watching him, watching his TV, and at one point, his wife that was next to him looked at me and saw me staring at him, and uh, she kind of smiled at me, and I smiled back at her, and then she was like... <laughs> so, I was like, I got a whole story up here. Um, so... So I'm watching it, and sure enough, we take off, and, and you could tell, like, the whole takeoff of the plane, it was starting to, like, like bring him to sleep, and that's when most people start to fall asleep, so I was like, this is gonna get good. So he's chilled, right, and then I watch this just start to, like, progress forward. His shoulders went forward, right, and then it was the head. You watch people do this? It's so fun. <laughs> so he's, he's leaning forward, and and that's when I start bringing commentary. That's like, I'm like, whoa, 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 It's all in my head. I don't say it out loud. That gets offensive. Um, but, I'm, but I'm watching him, and, and, and I love it when people wake, when they jar themselves awake. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they fight this part. The head's just going down, and you're waiting for the chin to hit the chest, to which they, like, awaken themselves, like, that fast. So I'm watching him like, oh, there, there it is. Oh, he missed it, he missed it. He missed it. Oh, here it comes, here it comes. And then his mouth was like, he was there, and finally, I was like, come on, come on. I'm praying, oh, Jesus, make this happen. Please, please. And he, fi- he finally gets there, and he says, bing, and he wakes up, right? Because his, like his chest hit his, hit his chin, and all of a sudden, bing, and he wakes up. And the, the people who fall asleep, and if it's you, you've done this, the minute you wake up, the minute chin hits chest, you're like, who's watching, who's watching, who's watching? <laughs> I kid you not, he turned around, him and I caught eyes, and I was like... <laughs> And he just smiled at me and went back to sleeping. Um, <laughs> as I watched this guy nod off in and out of sleep, I realized that that's how many of us wander through life. We just kinda half in, half out. Half in, half out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We have a tendency and then like we have a moment where our chin gets popped. We wake up for a second. And then it's back to half in, half out. And that's really what I wanna close this series on today is just really give us some encouragement as to what does it look like to live a life that's actually fully awake? Yeah. Yeah. I think what this season has proven to many of us is that it's actually really easy to fall asleep in the middle of it all. Autopilot, how many of you know what autopilot is, right? How many of you ever realize that sometimes we're just autopiling it through life? Right. Have, you ever, have you ever gotten in your car and because you do the same trek, some of you do that, like coming here. Like you get in your car and you're just driving. You go on autopilot, and then you're startled when you made it to church, and you're like, "How did I get here?" <laughs> autopilot, and I think that's how some of us actually end up doing life is that we autopilot through life. We're half in, half out, kind of asleep, kind of awake, and then we find ourselves in a situation, and then we ask that question: "How did I get here? How did I wind up here? How did I start thinking like this? How did, how did I start? How did I start doing this? How did, I, how, how did this relationship turn to this? How, how did?" How did my faith start to wane? How, how, did, I, how did I become so frustrated? Where, where did this crankiness come from? You know what I'm talking about? How, how, did, I, how did I get here? And I want to I submit to us that part of the reason that we are where we're at at times is not even necessarily because we desired to get there. It was simply because we just wound up there because we've been nodding off. So Paul in Ephesians encourages us to wake up. Come on, return to your neighbor and say, wake up. Turn back to them and say, no, you wake up, I saw you. You were dropping out. (laughs) I wanna show you an interesting interaction. If, If you think that I'm just talking to us, I wanna show that the disciples actually had the same issue. Watch this, this is phenomenal. Matthew chapter 26, 36 through 47 says this, then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane. We actually read this last week. And he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, He began to be sorrowful and troubled, and he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell face down, and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as as you will. Then he came back to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. Could you imagine how that would have went? Could you imagine if Jesus just strolls up on you after praying? And, like, the Bible tells us this was hardcore praying. Like, he was praying, like, like drops of blood. Like, he, like, this is the final hour, guys. This is, like, everything's coming to a crescendo. Everything that, he, that was prophesied, everything that he'd been talking about, it's getting ready to happen. And he walks over, and Peter and the two sons of Zebedee are just sawn logs. Just, hey, guys, I'm praying over here. And watch what, he, watch what he says to them. This is, this is fascinating. He asks Peter, so you couldn't stay awake with me one hour? <laughs> Savage. <laughs> I just want you to get this, like, we just gotta have, can the scriptures come alive this morning for just a moment? Like, you gotta think about, I think sometimes, like, we come to scripture, we look at it so rudimentary and, like, clean. Like, this was, like, this beautiful moment. I want you to see what Jesus said. These dudes were sleeping, and he walked up to him after he's praying, Lord, God, let this cup pass, I mean, intense! He's getting ready to go the crucifixion. He's like, yo, could you not stay with, like, an hour? That's all I'm asking. Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and he found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. Just as a little side note, I've found that when we don't understand what's in front of us, we have a tendency to fall asleep. I find it fascinating that the disciples who had been with Jesus for the total amount of his ministry still couldn't keep their eyes open as the Savior, Son of God, was standing right in front of them. Verse 44, after leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came and to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? See, the time is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go. My betrayer is near. This is just a fascinating interaction between Jesus and the disciples. And it's right here in Ephesians chapter 5. In this passage in Matthew that we see this, this idea of what it means to be asleep or be awake. And you and I have been called to live awake. Someone shall wake up. Yeah. And so that's really what I want to do for the remainder of our, of our time today is just really look at what it means to live awake to God. Take everything that we've discussed in this series and and it together and put it together and say, come on, it's time to this side of heaven live awake. This side of heaven, we're not meant to waste time. We're not, we're not meant to coast through it. We're not meant to be lulled asleep. This is our moment. This is the time for us to live fully awake. Eyes wide open, full of passion, full of faith, full of expectancy. Come on, somebody to wake up. Listen to this quote. When the church gets the light of heaven, she is not to lie still as if she were asleep or dead, but it's to be active. It's to make use of the light. It's for illuminating the world. A city on a hill, you don't put a light underneath a basket, we're little lights and we're supposed to run around and illuminate the darkness. Wake up. And some of us are just nodding off, and I want to help us not nod off. So we're going to go to a portion of Scripture in Numbers, chapter 13, and I want to just extract some truths from it that I think will help all of us today, and then... We'll land the plane on this series and get ready for the next one, sound good? Yeah. All right, here's the first truth I need us to understand today about living wide awake. Everybody shout number one. First one is this, is we have to understand that opportunity and opposition exist in tandem. Remember, this is about how we live, live wide awake. I actually think that one of the reasons we go to sleep is because we try to avoid opposition. And opposition, if you're gonna live with faith, is a part of the journey. Opportunity and opposition go hand in hand. Listen to Numbers 13, 25 through to 29. At the end of the 40 days, they return from scouting out the land. Okay, so backstory now. Moses, you guys remember, let my people go. That was Moses. So the children of Israel, all they vacate, they vacate Egypt and they get to the Red Sea part They walk through it, everybody walks through. Sea collapses, everyone else is dead. Crazy story. Now they're living and they're walking in the wilderness, doing some things. God's providing. Miracles are taking place. Like God is fully engaged with what's going on. They're coming to the promised land that God said he's gonna bring them to. And so they send some spies into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb are some of those spies along with some other ones. They go in to check out the land, scope it out. Numbers 13, 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from scouting out the land. The men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses. Listen to this report. We went into the land where you sent us, and indeed, it's flowing with milk and honey, and there, here, it's some of the fruit. However, the people, however, however, How many of you love it when somebody apologizes to you or they're saying something and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry, like, this is, But. How I many you know what I'm talking about? How many of you, when you're like me, like when the but comes, you're like, I just forgot everything else. That's what, that's what happened. Hey, guys, the, the land's awesome. There's so much good stuff in here. This is definitely where God's bringing us. But. That's what he gets into. However, the people living in the land are strong and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all the Ites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. So what what do you have? You have opportunity and opposition in tandem together. And the interesting thing is that for many of us, We want all the opportunity and none of the opposition. Come on, am I talking to anybody? Like, I think it's a fair state, and I get it because I'm the same way too. Like, I I don't get up and go like, you know, today I just, I hope I get a glass full of opposition. That'd make my day good. No, we wake up and we we get ready for the day and we're like, all right, this is gonna be a good day. So I'm gonna step into all that God has for me. I know it's gonna be, like, and then opposition comes. And you're like, God, why have you forsaken me? Right, like, and here's the truth, he didn't. It's just opportunity and opposition come together. I wanna to submit to us today that if you're really actually gonna pursue Jesus in your life, there's gonna be opposition. Yeah. How many of you love the messages that we do? We're like, God's got an awesome plan for your life. We're like, yes, <laughs> amen, pastor. So good. God's got a perfect plan for your life. He's, he's got great things for you. are like, yeah, yeah, keep it going, keep it going. But here's the other truth. The enemy's got a plan as well. We don't talk about that as much. So as much as God has a plan for you, the enemy's got one too. The Bible tells us it's to steal, to kill, and destroy. So the more that I press into Jesus, the bigger the target gets. Like I said, we're trying to take this whole series and just package it in, like here, here, it is all right here. And if you're gonna walk out the amazing plan that God has for you, you better be aware that the enemy's gonna come at you with his plan. So don't be surprised. I would say that if we're doing something that is worth something, the enemy's gonna come at us. I actually get a little bit fidgety when everything is smooth sailing. Come on, somebody. When everything is easy going, I wonder if I'm pressing. Willie George said it like this, if you shrink back every time you're uncomfortable, you will lead a life that is confined by your fears wake up, live awake, stop nodding off. With, with faith, we've got to step into what he has for us and we have to understand that opportunity and opposition exist in tandem. Come on, teenager. If you're gonna press into what God has for you, there's gonna be opposition. Come on, young adults. If you're gonna press into what God has for you, there's gonna be, be opposition. Come on, young, young dating couples, if you're gonna press into what God has for you, there's gonna be opposition. Young marriage, there's gonna be opposition. Uh, Marriages with kids, there's gonna be opposition. Older marriage, there's gonna be opposition. Singles and everybody in between. Old, young, male, female, doesn't matter who you are, there's going to be opposition at the end of the day. You're gonna build that business? Opposition. You're gonna go on that mission trip. Opposition. You're gonna step into, step into what God has for you within serving him? Opposition, opposition, opposition. opposition. It accompanies Opportunity. So at the end of the day, the first thing that we need to realize about living fully awake is that opportunity and opposition exist in tandem. Number two, every shout number two. two. Living wide awake means faith-filled engagement rather than doubt-filled avoidance. Numbers 13, 30 through 33, let's continue on. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. Exclamation point. You guys remember Braveheart? How many of you have seen Braveheart before? Okay, a few of you. The rest of you need to get on track, okay? (laughs) Amazing movie. Funny thing is, is that there was a, uh, we had somebody who was Scottish in the first service, so after I butchered their accent, (laughs) she came up to me, and she's, I'm from Scotland, and I was like, Yes! This is awesome. But you remember that part where, where William Wallace, he's on the horse and he's painted blue and he's got his kilt on and the army's in front of him and it's the last charge and he's like, he's riding up and the horse is grunting and it's that epic scene and, and the music's behind him and you're all getting emotional like I do. It's the only movie I've cried and I was like, this is so beautiful. And when Terminator went down to the lava. <laughs> Some of you remember that. I cried like a baby. Um, he's gone. Um, then there was eight other movies. So, um, <laughs> so he's back. He's back again. He's back again. I'll be back, right? Like he went for the whole thing. So he's on his horse and he's, and he's getting them charged up and he's like, hey, we can do this. And every single person standing in that line was like, we cannot do this. This is not possible. We're farmers. We have pitchforks. You've rallied all these people, this ragtag group of people to take on this, this, this king and this army and he's on his horse, and he's like, and they'll never take our freedom. And everybody was like, all right, let's charge, let's do this. This is what Numbers 13 is. He said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they're stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the, uh, about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours our, our inhabitants. And all the people in it are men of great size. And then I love I this last verse. It says, to ourselves. Think about this statement. To ourselves. To ourselves we seemed like grasshoppers and we must have seen the same to them what i find fascinating is that when god's trying to have us live awake and step into everything that he has for us it's usually not anybody else's perspective that limits it's usually our own no one told them they were grasshoppers they just looked at themselves and said i'm a grasshopper i'm small i can't do this who told you who told you that we told you you can't do what God put on your heart to do? Yeah. Come on, how many of you are with me? Nine out of ten times, it's us telling us we can't do it. Yeah. It's fascinating. We pray to God for it, and then we get up from our prayer, and then we're like, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like self to are like, God, please, you can do this. You can build it. I believe it. Come on, I can do this. And then we get up, and we're like, I can't do this. I can't. There's just no possible way. I'm a grasshopper. Some of our most limiting realities is the fact that we don't have the faith-filled engagement, but rather we have doubt-filled avoidance. Once again, I just want to remind us, this side of heaven, remember the vapor message, the cloud? It's short. It's here one minute and gone the next. So come on, church, wide awake. That's how we've been called to live. It's the tension of faith that keeps us awake, fully engaged with the life that God has for us. Number three, everybody shout number three. Three. There's a third thing, the third truth, is that understand that conviction will always attract criticism. Conviction will always attract criticism. Criticism. Numbers 14, one through four. Then the whole community broke into loud cries. I love this. And the people wept that night. So they got this good, we're gonna go into the promised land. Caleb and Joshua's getting fired up. We can do this. They're like, no, we're grasshoppers, Well, we're gonna do it anyways. So then the whole community broke into loud cries and all the people wept that night. And then watch what happens in verse two. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron. The whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, Or if only we had died in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Our wives and children will become plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they said to one another, watch this, let's appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. We will always have two appointments in our life. We will either appoint a leader and his name is Jesus to lead us into the future, or we will appoint a leader of bondage to take us back to where we came from. But we're looking for somebody to lead us. And his name is Jesus. But I found it fascinating that they're standing on the edge of the promised land. They're right there. On the edge of everything is good. Yeah, there's some stuff. There's some opposition for sure. But their perspective was that God wanted to bring them to the promised land in order to kill them. So they said, no, no, we can't do this. Let's go back to, we would, we would much rather be slaves to the Egyptians than free men and women in the promised land. How often do we do that? We get lulled into going back, and somehow we come to the perspective and the idea that what, what we were rescued from by Jesus is somehow greater than what he's taking us into. Can I just use some fight language right now? And we gotta fight for our future. Come on, parents, you gotta fight for those kiddos. Come on, married people, we gotta fight for our marriages. We gotta fight for what we gotta fight for that miracle. We gotta fight for what God is doing in our lives. And I know for some of us that that are like, I don't like those militant terms, but that's what it is. It is a fight. At the end of the day, every single day I gotta wake up and say, I'm not going back to what I've been rescued from. I am not going back to what the blood of Jesus has saved me from. Every, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I know what I've been rescued from. we got to fight for our families. we got to fight for that identity that we've been talking about. we got to fight for every single minute. One of my friends, Phil Dooley, says it like this. Interesting how people love a vision from afar, but when they get up close, it looks like sacrifice, hard work, and commitment. (laughs) So they look away and criticize it. Uh, Conviction will always attract criticism. There will always be somebody. This is why I had somebody the other day um, was talking to me about Instagram, for instance. They're like, you don't post very much on Instagram, do you? And I was like, nope. Here's why. Because it's a prison of critique. I just don't want to live there. Have you noticed no matter what you say, somebody's going to criticize it. When you live with conviction, when God, calls, like when, when God rescues you from this place, some of you right now, You've made a faith statement in Jesus over the past couple weeks. Can I just tell you, you're gonna have all kinds of people level criticism against you. What do, what do you mean you can't? What do you mean you're not gonna? Why are you doing that? What do you mean you're going to church again? Right? You mean you sing those worship songs? You mean you lift your hands? You worship? Only half mass. i do not Not full yet, just half. <laughs> What do you mean, you're you're trying to read your Bible? Come on, am I talking to anybody today? These sound like simple things, but it's, oh, you're just one of those judgmental people then. Critique. Trust me, I get it. It's so funny, I've told this story before, but when, when I get like paired up with, when I'm golfing and we get paired up with another group, I always like work as hard as I possibly can not to tell them what I do. Because I know the minute I tell them what to do, it changes their perspective. But they don't know me, they've never met me before. They didn't know that they'll actually have a really amazing, like we'll have a conversation, so we ask questions, we get to know them. And then finally, it's like the ninth hole, we're making the turn. They're like, oh, I gotta be with these people for the next nine, so what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. And then you watch, it's so, like, oh oh man, I'm so sorry for swearing. I'm so sorry for, I'm so sorry. They're like, I can't believe I dropped that." And I was like And that's just my staff member who's golfing with me saying that And you, you watch) <laughs> and you watch, you watch people's, people's minds try to turn and, and try to figure out. And it's been amazing how many times we get done with a round of golf and I hear from this person, man, this, this, I never expected you to be that. And once again, it affirms that you can live with conviction and still engage with people. Yes. Good. But I also need to tell you that you're also going to get critiqued because of it. All I'm trying to simply say is that you gotta own your conviction. Yeah. Everyone else is. <laughs> Everyone else is. Come on, come be your pastor today. I haven't said that in a few weeks. <laughs> we gotta own our conviction. Some of us are so scared to own our conviction. I just gotta let you know, and I love people, I am a Christ follower. I'm okay with it. I'll pull my Bible out on my airplane. I'm okay with it. I will pray with somebody if they need it, and I don't do that because I'm a pastor. I do that because I'm a Christ follower at the end of the day. So I own my conviction. And the more that we can own our conviction, we actually stand straight. But I just need you to know, when you own your conviction, you will always attract criticism. Number four, every shot. number four. Here's the last one. We have to understand that the fight of faith is not our fight. Numbers 14, five through 10, then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole assembly of the Israelite community. And Joshua, son of Nun and Caleb, who were among those who scouted out the land, they tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is an extremely good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey and give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land for we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. So don't be afraid of them. And while the whole community threatened to stone them, (laughs) these guys are nuts. the glory of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tent of meeting. Many of us are discouraged because we've been trying to fight the fight of faith, ourselves, in our own power, in our own ability, self-sufficient, right? Isn't that the badge of our culture? I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. I'm having fun today. This is a fun day. Self-made, and that's a badge of honor. Just self-made. Can I tell you I'm not self-made? No way. I'm not smart enough to be doing what I'm doing. Not eloquent enough. The journey's too big. I remember when my son was born. I freaked out. I was like, how am I gonna? How am I gonna do this? I, I, I don't know what to do. Didn't necessarily have all the best pictures of it. We're just waiting through the dark. Remember my wife. Husbands, how many of you know your wife is usually the voice of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> She's like, you're gonna, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna do this. I'll be mad at you a few times, but. <laughs> she said, I know that you love Jesus and you're following him. And if you keep on doing that, you'll follow him fine. What was she saying? Faith. You are not doing this on your own. Come on, church, you're not doing this on your own. You're not fighting that addiction on your own. You're not fighting that fear, that anxiety on your own. You're not fighting what's in front of you on your own. You're doing it with a power much greater than you. This is what I've come to learn, that self-sufficiency is the fatal danger of a lukewarm state. Maybe even better said, self-sufficiency is what I call Christian atheism. I love the idea of Jesus, but I'm gonna do this on my own. Remember, Christ, follower. That means he's going before me. And it means that I'm not doing it out of a power source that is me because I am going to end at the end of the day. But what I am doing is I am stepping into everything that God has for me, this side of heaven, not in my own strength, not in my own ability, but in the ability of God. So he's bringing you to something. The question is, is are you going to follow him into it? The fight of faith is not your fight fight of faith is his fight. And then what's really cool is the Bible tells us that he put us in a body. A bunch of other people fighting out the faith. You're fighting it out, and you're fighting it out, and you're fighting it out. Then we can rally. John, how's your fight going? It's not so good this week. All right, let me fight with you. Bree, how's your fight going? Oh, it's going awesome, sweet. I'm gonna stand next to you for a little bit. Because my fight is rough. Wide awake, can we be the type of people, wake up and go, this side of heaven, lest Jesus tarry or he take me. Every single day, I am awake to him. In Jesus' name, would you bow your head and close your eyes in this moment? I wanna pray with you today, a very specific prayer. And that's for those of us in this room today who need to take this opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I know for some of us, maybe you've been now in the room for a couple weeks now, and we talk a lot about Jesus around here and this life that he has for us. And I gotta tell you that life is accessible by way of a decision. It's a decision to say yes to him. And then that decision is played out every single day forward. This side.